In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come in order to give us a new beginning. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in 1945, the German theologian and pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, uh, was brought to Flossenburg Prison. And uh, he was brought there as a political dissident. Uh, they, they felt that he was doing some things that he shouldn't be doing. And uh, he spent about six months in that prison before one day came along in April where the SS guards that were guarding him said, Come on, Dietrich, it's time. And just before that, he kind of knew that this was coming. Just before that, he penned his last written words. Those last written words that were, this is the end. Period. Dash. But for me, comma, the beginning. What Dietrich was confessing in that very short phrase is really, in a lot of ways, the the heartbeat of what it is to be a Christian. The heartbeat of what it is for us to get up in the morning and, as Luther recommended, to get up and wash our face, and remember our baptism, and make the sign of the cross over ourselves, and to say, today is a new day. I'm drowning the old Adam, and I'm rising again as a new one. This is the end. But for me, the beginning. In many ways, that's what just happened in your life moments ago, where you confessed your sin, where you thought through, okay, what is it that I've done this week? What is it that I've done this month? What is it that I've done this year that I want to end in my life? What are those sins that I am looking for an end to. I'm looking to confess them so that I can get them off of me, so that Jesus can take them and he can put them as far as east is from west. And so, in that moment, you confessed and you said, I want this to end. But for me, This is a beginning. Because you realize that when those words of absolution come, when those words of forgiveness come, that those are not just words of finality, but those are words of a new beginning. That when your sins are forgiven, that it leaves a void. A void that can only be filled up by life. By more living That's why we confess our sins, so that we have room for more of this life stuff, so that we have room for more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, so that we have more room for the good stuff that God has for us. 
for Molly this morning, this is the end. This is the end of a long period of, like I said to the kids, writing out a bunch of homework, of learning a bunch of theological stuff, learning what we believe. It's the end, I can say, I think, gladly for both you and I, (laughs) of all of those worksheets, of all of that typing, but it's also the beginning. It's the beginning of your existence in this church, not as a confirmand, but as someone who has confirmed their faith. Someone who, in just a moment from now, has gotten up in this place and said, yes, I believe that those things are true. So today, it's the end, Molly. But for you, the beginning. And that story is writ large throughout all of the readings. That story that is written in the book of Malachi, the end of Scripture. The book of Malachi, the very last of the prophetic works, the very last time that God spoke to his people through that kind of prophecy. And it's the end. But it's the beginning. As God says in there, that there's a book of remembrance that will be written. A book of remembrance that will go on forward. That God may be done speaking in that particular way. But it continues on. It's also the end for that thief on the cross. It's the end for the thief on the cross who is there and who looks over at Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Things look pretty bad for that thief. He's up there on a cross. He's bleeding from the holes that the Roman soldiers have put into his body, just like they put them into Jesus' body. He's beginning to feel the effects of asphyxiation by this point. He's having a hard time breathing. This looks like the end. His buddy on the other side of Jesus, probably, is railing at Jesus, using some picked-up words that he's heard from the other people, saying, why don't you save yourself and us, by the way, Jesus? It looks like the end. And yet, that thief on the cross is given an opportunity to choose between two different ways of responding. One way in which it looks like this is the end, so I guess this is the end. And if it's the end, then you totally understand the other thief. You totally understand his pessimism. You totally understand his cynicism. You totally understand why he is so bitter. You understand why he's so filled with rage at this Jesus who is hanging next to him, who claimed to be 
this Messiah and now is between them, hanged on a cross just like they are. You can get why he is so angry because he sees this as the end. But the other thief, he, he sees this as the beginning. He sees this as the beginning, perhaps maybe just as the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, remembering him when he comes into his kingdom. The thief just going, if you just remember me, that's fine. That's enough of a beginning for me. If you just remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus. He sees this as a beginning for Jesus. And as a beginning for Jesus, maybe it's a beginning for him. And Jesus doubles down on what that thief is saying optimistically. What that thief is saying in understanding this might be a beginning. Jesus says, today, this will be a beginning for you too. Today, this will be the beginning of paradise for you. So often we're set with that same question. That question of, is this the end or is this the beginning? And if we approach those situations in our lives saying this is the end, then the people around us can understand why we are bitter, why we are angry, why we are the way that we are. And yet if we see this as a beginning. Then we start to see things with hope. We start to see things not in a way that is fanciful, not in a way that is just pie in the sky and unconnected to any real life. But we begin to see the glimmers. Just like that thief saw the glimmers. He said, this is a beginning at least for this Jesus guy. So maybe it's the beginning of a remembrance of me. And we begin to see the world through eyes that say there is hope. There is something next. And maybe even that that something next is better than right now. That's where we're at in the church here. Thinking about where we're at right now. Thinking about the moment that we are set in. And some of us, it feels a little bit like we're being crucified. It feels a little bit painful right now. Am I right, students? Final projects are breathing down your neck. You want to go on Thanksgiving break, but you also know that there's all of this stuff that's coming down on you. Are you looking at that with hope? Maybe it's more than just homework for you. Maybe it's sin. Maybe there's something in your life that's causing you to cry out in pain and to go, this feels like the end. And to that, there's this awesome text from Colossians. 
This awesome text from Colossians that in it, it says Jesus holds everything together. Jesus holds together. He is the firstborn from creation, so he is the first thing that happened. That, that he is the firstborn out of creation. That God begat the Son. That he has a part in creation. He's not creation himself, but he is God and creation molded together in the very word of God. And that he is also the firstborn out of the dead. That he's the first one to rise. And because he's the first one to rise, we can see a trajectory for our lives that says that there is hope. There is reason for optimism. There's a glimmer of something. If we just dare believe, if we just dare think that maybe this God is up to something that is greater than what we could imagine... That in this reading, we have Jesus holding together all things. Jesus holding together our past and our future. That Jesus doesn't want you to somehow be just future you. That is disconnected to present and past you. But that Jesus is holding together your past and all of its sins, and all of its stories, and all of its vocations, that he's holding that together with your future, and all of its great hope in the resurrection, and that he's holding that together by the forgiveness of your sins. That is what Molly believes. And that is what she is coming up here to confess and to say yes I believe that that is true I believe that there is hope I believe that there is a resurrection I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in me to give these answers and so may you This week, remember these questions that I'm asking of Molly. And may you affirm and reaffirm those questions in your lives this week as well. Amen.